0: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast, as always, it's your boy Mac, and today we're going to talk a little bit of realness, we're going to keep it real, I'm going to come from the heart, because I've seen so much over the past few weeks from the Cleveland Cavaliers organization in regards to free agency, in regards to the NBA draft, in regards to summer league, it's been a lot to take in. Not really any moves have been made on Cleveland's part outside of the drafting of Mobley and the signing of Chandler Bodren, who, you know, God bless him. But uh, he was probably never really going to make the Cavs roster in the first place. I get why they took a flyer on him, but the Cavs have kind of sat on their hands. Uh, No big time acquisitions, no really big changes outside of the drafting of Mobley and a trade for Ricky Rubio, which don't get me wrong, will pay dividends for this team. But at the same time, the Cavs still clearly need a wing. We all know that a wing who can shoot. Preferably, we know there are guys still out there on the market and we'll get to that. But this team is largely going to remain the same. And what is this episode about today in particular? Well, I'll tell you. Every day that goes by, I get a little bit more and more comfortable with the fact that this team is really just going to really kind of have to run it back. Yeah, you added Rubio. Yeah, you added Mobley. But you know what? progression plus the addition of those guys really actually still makes me feel pretty good about the Cavs' prospects for this season. If Colin Sexton is able to build upon the 24.3 points per game, uh, 3.1 rebound, 4.4 assist, 47.5% from the field, 37.1% from three-point range season he had, if he's able to build upon that, Man, you better look out! I think this guy is coming for some people's heads. I think he's going to make his first All Star game this season, which happens to be in Cleveland, which is great, great for the city. You know, it'll be even better if the Cavs can have at least one guy representing them there, whether that be him, Garland, or Jared Allen. But speaking specifically of Sexton, you know, he still hasn't signed an extension, uh, which is a pretty big deal because if he rides it out until restriction free agency, uh, which I'm not, you know. Opposed to, I don't necessarily think it's the best route to take either, though, because you can definitely piss him off. You definitely risk pissing him off if you let it ride out that long. Um, You know, I think the addition of Mobley is really going to pay off big time for Sexton in regards to spacing. So you're going to see a huge jump in statistics uh, for him um i think that the real question here though is his value i think for me i would go 140 150 mil over that five years because i believe the most he can be offered is 168 million over five years i don't know if i go there i'm okay if they do it but you know preferably out of my because i wouldn't you know not at least not right now but i think i can see the validity behind signing him to that max uh, my opinion kind of fluctuates on that a lot so you might hear me say something different uh, next week but i'm i'm kind of leaning towards 140 to 150 at the moment he's definitely going to change that You know, I think he's going to have a great season. I think he's going to prove that he's going to be worth max level money. It's just wins. Wins have to come with the stats. And I know that people are always saying, well, you know, he's just a stat patter. He is a score on a bad team. But to me, those are not great excuses everybody has to start somewhere not everybody comes right out of the gate and their statistical output has a direct impact on teams wins or losses it's more than one player this is a team sport okay that's important for people to understand it takes more than just one guy yes there are generational talents that can come in from day one and impact the record But that doesn't happen often, And I'm not saying Colin Sexton is that type of player. I don't think anybody would at this point in time. But he is good. He's better than people give him credit for. I don't know why people have this bad misconception about him. It's just that score type guy on a bad team. But I think he's going to change a lot of people's minds. And he's going to turn a lot of heads. If this guy played for any other team in the league, he'd get the recognition that he deserves. He'd be an all-star, and people wouldn't say nearly half the shit they say about him. Uh, so I'm really I'm really pulling for the guy. I don't know how much he's going to get paid. I don't think you need to go sub 100 mil. Uh, you can't pay Jared Allen more than you pay Colin Sexton, if you ask me. You know, that just That's not going to sit well. 20, 20 mil a year for him. I, I don't see that. He's worth more than that, in my opinion. Scores just don't grow on trees, and people have to understand that as well. So, you know, outside of Sexton, if you're running it back, you know, you you also have Darius Garland, who started to trend upward towards the end of that season. And he really lit the spurs up. I think his he set a career high at 37, if I'm not mistaken. And he can continue along those lines. He's already a very good player playmaker and the addition of Mobley will do wonders for him as well. Uh you know and that's not even mentioning Rubio's presence in regards to being a mentor for uh for Garland. Yeah, we I have an opinion that it will help Sexton, but I think the player it will really help the most in regards to Rubio's uh addition is Darius Garland. I think he's going to really 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 assist <laughs> no pun intended, uh, Darius Garling and being able to be a better playmaker, be able to, you know, see the floor a little bit better. You know, sometimes vision is one of those things you just can't teach. But I think just having Rubio there as a veteran, as a proven winner, as an excellent playmaker in his own right, is really going to help facilitate the growth of Darius Garland moving forward. You look at Isaac Okoro, who just came out of Summer League. Um, man, he he is primed for a breakout season. Those of you who have listened to me in the past, which I'm you know hoping is more than there was last week, if you've listened to me, you know how high I am on Isaac Okora. You know that I think his evolution is going to continue this season. You know that I feel like he has most improved player uh, breakout potential this season. You know, it's really going to depend upon how many touches a game he's given. We know what the guy can do on defense. He will eventually make an all-defensive team. That could be this season. I just wanted to prepare you guys for that. If he's not expending all of his energy trying to be a two-way player and the shots just don't come for him, look for him to be a dog on defense. Look for him to potentially make, uh, you know, an all-defensive team. I could definitely see that happening. Well, you know, we'll have to come back to that one. You know, mid-season, kind of give him a grade in regards to how he's doing. But I don't see it is out of the realm of possibility for this guy to average anywhere between 15 to 16 points per game again it's really going to heavily depend upon the amount of touches he's receiving when you have sexton you have garland you have mobley those touches are going to be hard to come by somebody has to be third or fourth on the packing order is it going to be mobley is it going to be okoro my money is on okoro being that third guy Uh, I I just don't think Mobley's ready for that yet, but he can. We saw what he did in Summer League. Uh, Speaking of Mobley, you know, coming off a Summer League performance in which he averaged 11.3 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, three assists, which is pretty good for a big man, and 1.7 blocks. Now, to to me, the big numbers that stand out the most are the assists and the blocks. Yes, it was a three-game sample size, but his vision is clearly there he had a he had a couple of passes out there that looked like a man at his size generally wouldn't be able to make you know we know at seven foot he's gonna block some shots 1.7 to be exact and we know with Allen on the court as well those two are going to be stifling uh when it comes to that end of the court but for me having a playmaker out there of his caliber uh at the 4 or 5 wherever they slot him at you know i'm sure that we all know by now that jared allen is going to man the 5 but mobley could see a lot of minutes at backup center if the caps don't bring uh somebody in as far as what we can expect from him though you just I don't think you're going to see a heavy amount of point production in year 1. It's certainly possible, but I I'm tending to start to believe that we're going to see him drop in somewhere around 14 to 15 points per game. That might sound low to a lot of people but it's really not again he's going to suffer from the same kind of fate that a might and that's that where he's going to fit in at in the pecking order in regards to touches you know sexton and garland are going to dominate in that regard a is going to get his mobley will probably be fourth in line in regards to that he could be he could be third you never you never really know but I see 14 to 15 points per game for him. We'll have to see what year one looks like. But I think he's going to really put together an all-around stat line. We could see something like 15 points per game, eight rebounds, three three uh, three and a half assists, and one and a half blocks uh, while shooting, I would say, 55% from the field and 34% from three. That would be a good season to me for a rookie for mobley for what the calves are lacking in that regard and then you have recent 100 million dollar man jared allen himself just got that five-year extension Big things to come from Jared. Uh, I think that he is going to wow a lot of people as well. We saw, you know, a couple of spurts in which he was really able to dominate in the post. We know that he can step outside of the painted area and hit, you know, a shot every now and then. We even saw him take a few threes last season. But. I think as long as he stays within his lane, he plays the role that the Cavs paid him to play, he's going to have a productive and successful season. I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to see him competing for an all-star spot, although I don't think he'll get there. I think it's definitely a possibility to see him in the top 10 for voting for his position. We'll have to see. You just never really know. Obviously, it being in Cleveland is probably going to help him out. Probably going to help a lot of these guys out in regard to voting. Now, outside of the starting five is really where you start to have the issues with the Cavs. And I think a lot of fans uh, recognize that, you know, we know that we're probably going to get pretty solid production out of the starting unit, but where a lot of that fear, a lot of that worry. From, for games possibly slipping away is going to come from that bench unit. We just don't know who they're going to roll out. We know Rubio, obviously, is probably going to be the sixth man. Um, you know, we know that Larry Nance Jr., if healthy, is going to be out there a ton. We know the Jetty is probably going to be rolled out there by, you know, virtue of no other options. Uh, the real wild card to me is going to be what happens with dylan windler dylan windler 5.2 points per game 33.8 percent from three-point range and only 31 games he missed his entire rookie season you know we see that we have seen players come back from that hell joe Embiid, i think missed his first really two seasons in the league and this guy's still just 25 years old at the time the season starts i believe Six foot six, he really, by definition, is exactly what Cleveland needs. It's just he can't stay healthy. If he somehow manages to play 60 plus games and shoots sub 35%, well, really over 35, 36% from three, I'll be happy with that, man. I really will be. He will turn into the player that the Cavs need the Cavs are lacking shooting in the worst way. Everybody knows it. Everybody's going to charge an arm and a leg to trade for that type of player. That is why it's so unsettling to see the Cavs not really make any big free agent acquisitions, because that's exactly the type of player that they need. But conversely, if Dylan Windler is able to turn into that type of guy, it may not matter. You know, so that's Rubio, that's Nance, that's Jetty, that's Windler. Uh, you know you you have a couple of other options obviously off the bench in Lamar Stevens uh, you know if he's going to be able to secure some type of roster spot you uh, in regards to the regular t- rotation you have me fiandu Cavangeli who we play pretty good in the summer league I, I have wrote a piece about him recently for the King James gospel you guys should go check that out uh, but I just don't know if the minutes will be there for him. I think if you want to roll him out there at small ball five, be a perfect roll for him. Uh, six foot nine, 250, 254 pounds. Uh, but it remains to be seen what that is going to really look like in regards to how the bench unit is going to shake out, who is going to probably start the season getting a pretty. Good amount of minutes. I'd say somewhere between 24 to 26 minutes a game, which is probably rightfully so in order for him to establish some type of semblance of trade value or to help this team win, you know, out the gate. I know that the Cavs have had conversations with him about, you know, stepping back and playing more of a bench role. And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he's truly bought in and hopefully that'll keep him a little bit more healthy than in a starting role. I, I really do not want to see Kevin Love out there starting day one. But, you know, we could lean towards that. Then you have a guy like Dean Wade who really had a winning impact on the Cavs last season when he was in the starting lineup. But if he's not hitting shots, you just don't know how valuable he is. He's a body to throw out there. He's got some size on him. But we have to see some progression from him until people are really encouraged by what they've seen. Uh, You know, we we really – as a fan base, I'm assuming we did not like what we saw from Broderick Thomas in summer league, so I think his his opportunities are about done. If you ask me, I've just about seen enough of him. So who knows what they'll do in regards to to that, and who knows really what they do in regards to the two way deals from this season. Uh, you know, Lamar Stevens had his deal converted. I believe that uh, Kevin Gelly had his deal converted. Don't quote me on that. And so that there's going to be some opportunities. I think there's an open roster spot and two two-way deals, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, but I don't know by heart. I'm not always great with contracts, but I do know that there is some room for somebody there. And with that being said, let's take a look at some of the some of the free agents that are still on the market. Denzel Valentine. You know, he averaged six and a half points, 3.2 rebounds, and 1.7 assists this season, shooting 37.3% from the field and 33.1% from three in 62 games. Those are not great numbers for what the Caps particularly need at this moment in time. 33.1% from three-point range is really what sticks out to me here. We say we need a wing. We say we need a wing who can shoot from beyond. Well, that does not fit the mold to me from this season. And just just take a look at this. Listen to this. 2016-2017 season, he played 57 games. The 2017-2018 season, he played 77 games. And this was really his career year. 77 games, 10.2 points, 5.1 rebounds on 38.6 shooting from beyond the arc. That's the type of player the Cavs could use for sure. 2017-2018 season, he missed entirely. That is, uh, that's that's kind of staggering. 2019-2020, he played 36 games. So what is the recurring element here? Obviously, he has missed a ton of games. He's never played a, an entire season of NBA basketball. And if I had to eyeball it, I'd say he'd probably average somewhere around 50 Two games a year. I don't have, obviously, I didn't calculate that, but that's, I think, really what that translates to if you're not including that entire midseason. I don't know if I'm entirely comfortable at this point rolling a guy out there who cannot stay healthy. I mean, obviously, we have enough of those types of guys on the Cavs at this moment in time, but the roster spot is open and they need to sign somebody. So Valentine could be that guy. Then you look at, you know, former Cavs at this point, Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah, I would I would advocate for bringing Isaiah back. And backup center is an area of need. It's just not the top area of need. You know, Hartenstein was pretty good in his 16 games with the Cavs. I... I really hope to see him back in the wine and gold, and I think there is a big possibility that that could happen if he's unsigned, if he continues to remain unsigned. But there are other needs worth addressing, obviously, and that is the wing position. You look at a guy like JJ Redick, who is at 37 years old, still a really good shooter from beyond uh, beyond the arc. I don't think he's shot below 37 percent in years from you know from that range i would be okay with him coming in but i don't know if a guy of his age would be really willing to come to a rebuilding team like the cavs i think he's more of a contending piece so i don't really see him being a serious uh, a serious candidate to be signed by the cavs now the the one guy right now in my opinion i think the cavs really need to take a hard look at is Garrison Matthews, who spent two seasons, really the two past seasons, with the Washington Wizards. Uh, In 64 games for the Wizards this past season, he put up five and a half points on 38.4% from beyond the arc. And just a little over 16 minutes a game at 16.2. So I think that would be the perfect type of acquisition for Kobe Altman to go after a guy like Garrison Matthews. He couldn't cost too much. We still have that $9.5 million mid-level exception we could use on Matthews. And I think that would really be the one acquisition that the Cavs make this offseason that could make people feel at least better about how the offseason has progressed in regards to free agency you bring in Matthews you put him out there at the small forward position uh, and I think that he could really be a contributor you don't have to play him heavy minutes you play him somewhere between 15 to 18 minutes a night be perfect as long as he can hit that three ball on a consistent basis I don't see how you could go wrong in that regard so those really, to me, are the the three guys that I kind of been looking at. I know there are some players still available, some bigger names. You know, I think DeMarcus Cousins is still on the market. I think Laurie marketing is still on the market. I just don't know if guys like that are really going to consider coming to Cleveland. And I, to be honest, I don't know if Kobe's really going to be looking at a guy like that. But you know, it, we just. We, we can never be too sure. I really have given up trying to predict some of the moves that this team is going to make. Because every time I do, every time I have my heart set on something, they always piss me off. But at the same time, I'm a ride-or-die Cavs fan. And I still believe in Kobe Altman. I still believe that he's going to do something. And I really believe this, this team as a as a whole is going to take a massive step forward. I don't know truly how many wins this team is going to get into? But I definitely think they'll be able to play themselves into play in range, and that would be a win for me. That would be a win in the biggest way for the Cleveland Cavaliers to taste playoff basketball. At least, if, even if it's for one game, even if it's for that. Um, and I think the play in is what? What is it? Back to back games. I think it's the it the loser plays the loser of another. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to look at the at the rules again, but I think just to taste that type of atmosphere would be great for this team. I see it happening. I don't know about you guys. I'm still very very hopeful that a move is going to be made. We just don't know. We have to we have to just keep faith and stay steadfast in our fandom in regards to being Cavaliers fans. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close out today's episode. And as always, please reach out on at its cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. If you have any questions and don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you like what you've heard today and on previous episodes, feel free to share it with friends. The more the merrier, right? Alrighty. Have a good one, guys.